Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. I'm one of your hosts, Jess, and I'm joined by your other host, Jared. Hello. Hello. Got a heavy episode. So yeah. a lot happens. A lot is revealed. And I don't know if I like it. <laughs> it was emotional. And there, yeah, there's stuff that's very upsetting. Yeah. And good stuff. And uh, yeah, no, it was, it was, it was a, an intense one for yeah. sure. For sure. And then we're right on the forefront of our two-parter season finale. Um, so after this, there's only two episodes left from season two, which is which is crazy. Um, so we'll do one episode for the two-parter as we usually do. Yeah. And this, this one, I don't think that the last time we did a two-parter – well, the last time we did a two-parter was at the season, mid-season finale and then the one back. Yes. Is that right? So they clearly didn't air those back to back, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. Be- because of the nature of that. And I don't even think I, – I, I have to double check. I don't think the first season finale aired back to back. I think it was one no. week apart. This yeah. one, though, the, our next episode that we, we do combine, it makes the most sense yet to combine it because it it was. Uh, yeah. It was yeah. aired all in one sitting. They they made it the premiere thing on that uh, – I think, I think it was on Monday nights maybe? for the second season but it was like it was abc's main program in that uh that night and it was still doing pretty well because it was i mean it's crazy to think that it doesn't even matter anymore but that was back when uh they still had a thing called may sweeps sweeps week <laughs> where at the like in that chunk of uh, of may right around right before uh memorial day right when kids were getting out of school in a lot of the places of the country there used to be this big push for there was there would be routine sweeps weeks at, uh, like every quarter where advertisers would look and they'd be like they'd be the times that advertisers would pay the most attention to viewership because it, and it would coincide with premieres and finales and stuff like that in the different quarters and it's just we, i was just thinking about it in relation to this but like that stuff doesn't even matter anymore <laughs> yeah like, like nobody cares <laughs> they're like looking at like you know they're trying to revive a show i like um a, uh, AP Bio on NBC, just like uh, people tried to revive uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine last uh, last year, and were successful. People were, were giving that a shot, and even Mark Hamill, our uh, <laughs> Star Wars hero, is. I, it feels like he's like taking it upon himself to just try and save shows now because he's doing that mm-hmm. too. <laughs> but uh, like people were talking about, like, oh, it's the number three show on Hulu. It's like that matters. People don't even care about like ratings anymore, and it's it's interesting that it's still a metric, like. Like yeah. when, when are Nielsen ratings going to be irrelevant now that we know for a fact that they are irrelevant? <laughs> it yeah. has nothing to do with people's actual viewing habits. They never really have. It's just a random assortment. But but uh, well, it was the only way they could track it for so long, and it was it was relevant for a while. But now it's it's right. not. Cause... But it was always false because like they're yeah, it was, it was super biased, you know, and like like yeah. their typical families were weren't actual like an actual like random sampling or an actual real estimation of anything they were just the people they thought represented america or whatever which yeah is super gross when you think about the people who were in charge yep. at the time are all <laughs> rich straight white dudes who, <laughs> who are never unbiased but yeah. uh no no <laughs> but but uh yeah no that's that, that's exciting and this one while it's not the finale or whatever like it, it feels like it leads directly into it like you were like you said like I don't know the action and the intensity and the story all like really it kicks into high gear. I think with this episode. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. Um, Before we get started, we are a part of the But Why Though podcast community. So be sure to check them out on Twitter at But Why Though PC and their website at But Why Though Podcast or not at, but at 
<laughs> here we go <laughs> already at but why though oh, no. <laughs> podcast.com we're super proud to be a part of their community oh lord it's, it's, it's one of those days all right so this is season two episode 20 titled scars uh written by your favorite rafe judkins yes or I, he, Jafe redkins <laughs> absolutely popped out <laughs> uh and and Lauren LeFranc, and then directed by Bobby Roth. And actually, um, Rafe and Lauren are mentioned as executive producers on this episode, and I think the next one, too. So good for them. Um, <laughs> Jay Fredkins is going to show up in some other form or fashion at some point. He's going to make us so happy. <laughs> um, this episode was originally aired May 5th, 2015. So... This episode starts with Sam Koenig waking up uh, in bed, and he's laying in Star Wars sheets, of course, because he's a big nerd. <laughs> and his brother calls, and um, they're talking about, like, hey, why did you rage quit COD last night? And blah, blah, blah. It's, it's very silly. It is. Um, and I couldn't help but think of, like, some of my uh, – of a weird thing that, like, I was cognizant of with this for the first time. Uh, but like it, but it made me think of something that happens all the time in animation where like a lot of times, you know, if you're watching something like family guy or even something like the Simpsons, like there's, there's scenes with two people talking, but they're playing different characters, but they're the same person. Like every single scene with Mr. Burns talking to Smithers, it's just one guy talking to himself. (laughs) And like, (laughs) it's insane when you think about it, but it's it's the same thing with tons of other shows that are animated because like a lot of times the creators are, are the voices or just a, a voice a voice actor does a lot of parts on a show yeah. like that happened all the time on clone wars <laughs> but yeah like yeah. not just because of the clones <laughs> but but in general but like yeah. this just made me think like this, this is a weird like live action version of that with Patton just yeah. talking to himself for like a good two minutes and just being super <laughs> silly oh that's so funny i didn't even think about that now i'm gonna think about that anytime i see them in a scene together it's just like him talking to himself um what <laughs> So what what was uh what was fun to me is that um so Billy's getting ready for the day and we see a note taped to his mirror that says call your sister. So I think this is like the first time that the Koenig sister is mentioned. I think you might be right. LT a slight spoiler yeah. to find out that's her name. They won't say anything else for anyone watching in order. Yeah, but um, super exciting that uh, her existence is revealed, finally. Um, So Coulson arrives, and this is exactly one year ago, and we find out that Theta Protocol is the helicarrier that rescued everybody um, on Sokovia from Age of Ultron. And And, and, do you want to talk about... Well, yeah, I I guess I'll just skip right to that, since this is our one uh, comic book connection for the episode, Mm -hmm. um, which is also an MCU connection, because it's Ultron. So Age of Ultron... I mean, the MCU connection is this explains how S.H.I.E.L.D., the show went on the way it did and didn't have, you know, wasn't exactly active and legitimate or whatever, but still had a helicarrier that Nick Fury could pull out at the end of Age of Ultron to save everybody. Yeah. So it, it worked like to to make it work with the MCU and it had a good callback and a good connection. Um, and it also uh, establishes, you know, a reason for us to talk about Ultron. Ultron is one of the Avengers, like biggest villains in the comics. So it made perfect sense. Like Loki is the, in the, in the original comics was the the reason the Avengers were founded. Like he manipulated it to mess with Thor. So it's that, that's why they use Loki in the first Avengers movie using Ultron next makes a lot of sense because he's, he is like one of their biggest threats. Um, But in in an attempt to simplify, which I do understand, but like the kind of simplify comics uh, uh, and some of the comic logic 
they made it to where Tony Stark was the person who invented Ultron. In the comics, Tony Stark is not the person who invents Ultron. Uh, it's, it's Hank Pym from Ant-Man, the original Ant-Man, who's also a founding Avenger. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, he and the Wasp, uh, you know, Hawkeye, Black Widow, Captain America, not founding Avengers, not, not around for a few issues. And uh, I think that, like, it's something that I talked to you a little bit about right before we started recording, but for me, this was something that I had to really process because I, I don't know, like all these characters I'm so familiar with and Hank Pym has had such like a long storied and pretty problematic history at Marvel. Uh, But like, it's just so ingrained in, in the Avengers and in the, and the Ultron character so much, like all of his appearances, like half of them are about his father issues, his daddy issues with Hank Pym. And it's like, it's so strange to me to change that. And even like the explanation now it doesn't make sense because at the time they're like, well, Tony Stark would be able to do this because uh, Tony Stark, you know, makes robot suits. So he should be the one to make the robot, not the guy who can shrink. But it's like it's all sci-fi gibberish. They even have in the movie, like when I did my rewatch, there's mention where Tony is like, like someone says, well, since when are you an expert in this? He's like, well, I read about it just now. And they have him do that all the time. Like it's like yeah. it's, it's like robots and engineering are not the same thing. <laughs> yeah. you know people who not make, at all <laughs> people who make you, you know yeah like, like like literally people who design and make hydraulic lifters are not the same guys working on ai <laughs> yeah. like, they're not even related fields other than their stem you know yep. and it, it's a very weak pull to use that as a justification it was really just that it was that tony was the character they wanted to use which is fine and that's i kind of wish that's what they would have said because that's the real reason they make all these choices. None of them, none of them are for elegance or simplicity or ease. It's because they want to do them. There is no guiding hand of creativity. It's just like the right man for the job or forced inclusion thing. They're they're bullshit arguments, and they didn't have to make him make Tony's creator. That was that's nonsense. Tony was the star of the MCU, you know, in the first four phases or whatever, three phases, and that's it, it naturally evolved that way. So I think for me, it was just like accepting that something I liked in the adaptation evolves differently naturally and moving yeah. on. And I, I, I don't think I have anything figured out, you know, important, but anyone else doesn't, but I do feel like more fans might be happier if they just like be able to let go a little bit say, Oh, yeah. I like my Batman, you know, cartoon show. I don't really like anything else. <laughs> I'm not yeah. going to get mad about it like or whatever, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's just interesting because there's always all these arguments like for other and it's mostly like female characters or I don't know, um, just other instances in the in the MCU where things have been changed or things are the same. And it's like using one argument or the other to say like, well, the com- this is what's in the comics, so it should stay with the comics or this isn't what's in the comics. They changed it so they can, they, they can change anything. And it's like it's kind of they use this argument conveniently whenever they need to, to right yeah right. where it's like well this is like one of the big i mean this is like i'm trying to think this is like one of the biggest things that a lot of comic book fans were upset about i remember when this film came out is like oh my god this is like not the same at all <laughs> at all yeah it's just it's just and, it's, it, it's like a massive massive difference like it it's literally is changing someone's parent, you know, or creator. Yeah. It's like if, if you found out that, and, and now that it's been expanded on, you know, they already were developing it, man. So they knew that Hank Pym would be introduced in some, uh, some respect. They were modifying him because they, uh, Edgar Wright had been 
uh, had been attached to write and direct it. And he, I think had written a script with, um, uh, Simon Pegg, I believe. Mm -hmm. And then that was not used. And then I think they used elements of it, but then they hired on Peyton Reed and they had Adam McKay, you know, uh, from everything that guy does. (laughs) Yeah. Anchorman to the new HBO show and whatnot. And, uh, like, I, I, they had him come in and do do some of the writing changes, and like they they already knew that was going to happen, so they could have used Hank Pym, they could have done that, but they made a choice not to. And I, I know that like I don't know, it did upset people, but it, it just it made me realize how arbitrary it is, like you said, like, and then it makes the the especially the fan arguments like to defend some choices, like defending that that Clint Barton had to become Ronan and had to appropriate Japanese culture because that happened once in the comics. It's like, but he didn't even create the identity in the comics. The identity yeah. was created by Maya Lopez, who's a Latina and Native American character <laughs> and, and yeah. also deaf. Like she would have been such a better choice to include. I would have preferred they just used her character Echo and not used Ronan because even her as Ronan doesn't make a lot of sense. But uh it's just it, like like they make choices constantly to deviate. So it's totally disingenuous argument to say, well, we had to do this because it's in the comics, but you chose to make so many things radically different from making the ancient one, uh, a white Celtic lady instead of, you know, yeah. a Tibetan man uh, to make, uh, you know, Mantis and Drax aliens instead of human beings and rob them of their yeah. humanity. Like, like, I feel like a lot of these are, are absolutely choices and we don't question them if they don't bug us and we get really outraged if they do. And you just got to ask yourself, why Why are we bothered by these things? And look in and see if there's a common factor. If the common factor is they included women or they included minorities, then you're an asshole. And if the common yeah. factor is that it's minutia from comic books, you're not an asshole, but maybe ask yourself, does that matter? <laughs> that, that, yeah. And, and if it does to you, I'm not going to sit in judgment of it. There's absolutely stuff where I draw the line. I don't like uh, The Dark Knight as well as most people I know, I think. like I like it, but it's not a very good Batman movie, and it's an awful <laughs> depiction of the Joker. That character is nothing yeah. like the Joker. It's an amazing performance. I think there's like yeah. I'm not going to downsell that. Like it's really it's a really really great performance from Heath Ledger, and worth all the acclaim it gets. And you know if, it, if that redefines the character a bit because it's so important and such an important film to so many people, then I'm okay with that. But at the same time, like for me, it departs enough where I just like whatever. That's cool. That's for other people, and I'm not as into it. And I don't have any problem with that. And it as long as other people aren't going to like get in my face and tell me I don't like the stuff I do like, <laughs> then I, I, just don't, I just don't care, you know? And that's yeah. the weird part of, of fandom in general is like, I, I finally got through to someone like when I, 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 I was trying to explain it to where they're like saying that you can't be a real fan if you don't go to see the movie, you know, in the theater or whatever. But it's like, I could see, a, I could sort of see a way where that would not even be a legitimate thing because no matter what, you're policing someone else's fandom. But yeah. I could sort of see where you were coming from back when there wasn't a million options and a million ways to consume things. When Star Wars only came out once every three years, when there, you know, who knew when the next comic book movie was going to be made after Superman? You know, like w- when this was the way it was, yeah, if you were a fan, of course you were going to go see it. But now it's yeah. like, well, if I don't go see a Spider Man movie in the theater, it's out on my TV screen in two and a half months. I already yeah, have yeah. into the Spider Verse, or I have I've had it for two months. You know, it's like I waited four months, and I saw that in the theater, but I didn't have to, and I would have would have been fine. There's so much to consume, and we're not just fans of one thing. I think that's the other thing is when people define themselves by one fandom, you're giving a corporation way too much power. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think. absolutely. Yeah, that's my my massive true. digression based on Ultron. Um, James Spader was a pretty good choice to voice him. <laughs> 
Um, so he's in another show that Billy watches, like some like CIA type show. Yeah, yeah, where he's like a bad guy, but yeah, and literally every time I hear his voice, like coming from my house somewhere, I'm like, oh, Ultron's on the TV. Great. <laughs> like I will never not associate him with Ultron now. <laughs> I'm so annoyed. I cannot think of the name of the show. I keep closing my eyes and thinking of it. And all I can think of is the Jamie Alexander show. The one with, uh, woman who played Sif is called Blind yeah. Spot. And it's like, but I remember the advertising was similar, like, like the, like, like the summer leading up to the fall premieres for NBC was like, this is an action show. Like, this is like, whoa, what if James Bourne, or what what if the Bourne identity, not James Bourne, Jason Bourne, what if the Bourne identity (laughs) was, uh, you know, a TV show. And like, we basically like, like, and both of them also were uh, starring like women in their early thirties or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. 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 White ladies, oddly enough. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Brunettes. (laughs) Brunette. White ladies, <laughs> but uh, no, he 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 does. I could totally see Ultron ruining him a little bit. I still think of his character from um, Boston Legal too, where yes. it was just him and William Shatner being like, not Dudes. yeah, they're not they're not even similar other than being over the top. But they are both yeah. so over the top. Like it was, it was basically just like two. I want to say washed up, but like James Spader wasn't at that point. He was just starting to get older or whatever. But it was like a comeback mm-hmm. after being big when he was in his 20s and in the 80s like yeah. in those movies and then kind of disappearing in general or just being relegated to, to side roles and coming back on tv before tv had the prestige it has now and it was mm-hmm. just like his character i just remember watching that show all the time with my with my parents like uh when i would visit when i was in college and my dad worked in the legal system and he would he would be super bothered by all these David E. Kelly shows whenever they do stuff that wasn't <laughs> realistic or wasn't real. Like he's like, that's not how it works in court. Like that's not even sort of how it works. <laughs> and and, it, and it, it made me laugh because like it started with Ali McBeal and I mean he did other shows, but I think like my, my dad would get annoyed while watching them starting with that. And then he also had a show called Boston public in addition to Boston legal about a school and a high school. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Well, my mom worked in, in public schools, uh, my whole life and she started to get annoyed by how over the top I was like that's not how any of that would really be that's not how school boards work and I, it, I made me laugh so much I'm like David E. Kelly's choice to ignore reality for drama and soap opera stuff pisses them both off when it's their lane yeah I was gonna <laughs> say it's extended into multiple uh uh <laughs> multiple jobs <laughs> multiple <laughs> careers yeah but, but when it wasn't something they knew about they were like whatever who cares like they yeah. didn't think it was real they just don't think about it like and i think like yeah. that honestly that's similar to comic book nerds it's like does it really matter yeah. that they changed ultron no <laughs> yeah. like, no like what's that effect no but nothing roy thomas and john Buscema still made money off it those are the creators uh mm-hmm. but yeah he first appeared in 1968 in uh, the issue marked for cover data for July, so it come out come out a couple months earlier in the spring, uh, and it's Avengers number fifty four. So that was early on, like within the first yeah. few years of the Avengers. And um, yeah, it's he he's still super important in the comics today. Whenever he appears, he uh, causes some serious shit for the Avengers. And at this point, he's like merged with Hank Pym. And to take, kind of take him off the table so that they uh, don't have to address his problematic past. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. We'll have to talk about that another time. Yes. Yes. We can um, move on from Comic Connection. Yeah, yeah. Um, so 
we go to present day in this episode and we see the fallout from Sokovia. So we see like the news reports and all that stuff. And Coulson explains that Fury wanted a fail safe that was completely off the books um, because he didn't want anyone to have access to it. Um, And in this case, it saved the day. It, It did it did good what, stuff. So the Hellcarrier saved a lot. And of while people. the general like MacGuffin maybe loose connection to the MCU thing, I can see annoying people or whatever. I feel like it actually all works in story, whether it's Nick Fury in the movie or or Coulson, you know, in the show, uh, and or I guess both of them. Uh, but the fact that like everything went down with Hydra the way it did, having something off the books makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I agree. And you know what? This works for the okay. So for the last episode, this kind of didn't work for me. It felt shoehorned in. This episode, it feels like it works because of everything else that's going on for whatever reason. Like they really integrated, like the fallout from Ultron and Tony Stark and all of that stuff, like into this episode. So I was like much happier this episode <laughs> with Ultron making a difference uh, in this universe, even though it doesn't make a huge difference. It kind of does in a sense because there's like there's a whole cascade of events that happens because because of because of Gonzalez's um, thoughts on what Ultron did uh, or what Tony um, was able to do with Ultron because of everyone's blindness to him. And we'll talk about that in a second. But um, Coulson mentions that he uh, feels like he failed as a director and he wants one shield um, and he'll be the director and he'll have a council behind him. And he, you know, he says even Fury had the, What's it called? The World Security Council or whatever. Yes. <laughs> so um, this is what he wants. Um, and we go over to the medical area, the lab. I don't know what to call it. Um, and Sky is sitting with Lincoln, who's still unconscious. And Simmons and Fitz are watching. And um, Simmons mentions that um, Sky wants to take them home, which is an interesting turn of phrase from Sky. She doesn't consider this home anymore. She considers afterlife home, which is interesting. Um, and uh, Kara is doing some kind of brain scan and Simmons ends it. And she's like, oh, you're back to normal. You know, you, you know, any residual issues from the brainwashing from Hydra is all gone. Like you're, you're fine now. And um, Kara mentions that knowing that Bakshi is dead helps a lot. And Simmons looks a little guilty because obviously she's the one that killed him. Um, And then Lincoln wakes up. He causes like a little, you know, some electrical surges in the building. And um, he's very upset that he's at S.H.I.E.L.D. And Scott's like, no, no, these are my friends. You can trust them. And he's like, no, you shouldn't have come. You shouldn't have helped me. Like, you know, we wanted to keep our existence a secret. And this is not good. Now S.H.I.E.L.D. will never stop looking for us. Uh, We go to Afterlife and Raina is... Just Queen Bee in her new role. She's giving people prophecy. She's giving them hope. You know, she's she tells this father, you know, your son will go through the mists and he'll be beautiful. And she's really coming around on what she feels her purpose is. And she talks to Gordon about um about this. And he says that her visions of Sokovia saved thousands of lives somehow. Um, does that mean that she told I don't, I don't understand how that works. I don't know if you have any insight, like, cause they obviously didn't tell shield to like, Hey, go to Sokovia and issue theta protocol. Like, I don't understand how she saved yeah, lives. Did we miss something whatever. in the end of the previous episode? <laughs> like I'm not, well, I mean, she gave a vision that that happened, but I don't think that like the inhumans actually did anything. So whatever. Anyway. Um, so uh, basically this is a reason that her gift is going to be taken seriously and that, um, you know, she's, she's going to be revered. 
Um, and she mentions another vision that she's been having that she's like, you know, it's hard for me to tell if it's dreams or visions. She's like, cause I keep dreaming about this stone. That's not a stone and it turns into water. It looks like an ocean in an instant. And Gordon takes her to Jaying and Jaying mentions that this is something that their people have written about and it's Cree and it's meant to destroy them. It's meant to destroy the inhuman people. They have to go find it. And so Gordon is going to take Reyna with him to go find it. Um, and guess what? It's on Gonzalez's ship. So this is the secret thing that's in the cargo hold that we've been wondering about. Um, and Reyna and Gordon are kind of walking through the ship. And Reyna's like, I recognize this. Um, we're close. It's here. And she asks Gordon why Jaying brings so few people through the mists, which is a good question. Um, and they're interrupted by Hunter. He runs the corner and he sees them and starts shooting at them. And they teleport to the stone. And then Bobby and May catch up to them and they teleport out. So S.H.I.E.L.D. knows that they are after this stone. And Gonzalez has to report to everybody what the stone is about. And he basically says, we, the only thing we know is that it's alien. And, um, you know, we were hoping to find out what it was in Fury's box. And Coulson's like, well, the only thing it says is that Hydra was after it. So this is, you know, it's Gonzalez is like, well, now we know that the Inhumans are after this and this is not good. So um, they ask Skye and Skye says, she's, she's like, I've never heard anything about described like that before. I don't know anything. And um you know, Coulson is kind of suspicious. He's like, well, do you, do you even trust them that they're telling the truth? And she's like, uh, these people that are telling the truth, and she's like, they call themselves inhumans um, and they just want to be left alone. And um, May starts talking about Gordon. She's like, this is a teleporter. He's obviously very dangerous. And Sky retorts back. The same could be said about you. Like, I, you know, I heard what happened to Bahrain. Like, I, I heard what you did. And so you, of all people, should know why Inhumans fear S.H.I.E.L.D. so much and why they don't want S.H.I.E.L.D. to have anything to do with them. It's like, ooh, we're starting to see this like weird relationship between the two of them that just keeps getting like more and more tense. And it, I don't like it. Ugh, it's uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, this is, this is a, a phase in their relationship that is really, it's difficult because you can sort of see where they're both being, com- where they're both coming from. And I feel like, you know, it's hard to tell at this point in the show and in the episode as well wh- who is really being manipulated and who is just kind of reacting to the situation. You know, like because because mm-hmm. I feel like you're getting the feeling on both sides that it's possible that Jia Ying might not be quite on the up and up, but possible that it's just seeming that way. And it's the same thing I think could be said for Gonzalez and the quote unquote real shield. Yeah. Like it's just really hard to figure it out. And and there and you know, this tension between uh you know Sky and May, I think is really highlights it. And also just where we are right now with Bobby and where she's at, like compared to Mac, I think it's really interesting to see these kind of juxtapositions where like there isn't really a clear right or wrong at, at this stage or a good or bad team. Like it's there's a lot of there's a lot of moral ambiguity but not in a i don't feel like it's in a bull, bullshit way like it's not it's not just to seem high you know high-minded like it's actually being told that way it's interesting yeah and i feel like it's interesting that the characters they put at odds with each other mac and bobby it's like we respect both of these characters sky and may we respect both of these characters and we know them and we love them and so it makes it hard as a viewer to see to 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 make a decision on who's in the right um, because like everyone has their biases. Like Mac is totally biased against like alien technology because of what happened in the alien city. Like Bobby is, 
you know, she's biased because of Hunter and like what Shield has kind of done to her relationship. Like Sky is biased because she's inhuman, and May is biased because of you know the situation in Bahrain. Like everyone kind of has their biases, but like I don't know. It's like who's right or wrong right now, right? Yeah, I don't think there's an answer for that yet. We will. I feel like we'll have an answer by the end of this episode, (laughs) but (laughs) as of right now, we don't know. Um. So Weaver, Agent Weaver has found a way to track Gordon and they're using the, basically the same thing that Hydra was using and they found Afterlife and um, Gonzalez sees them as a threat. He wants to go in guns blazing and Coulson's like, no, 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 we're not doing that. Like we need to talk to them. And so they're going to use Sky as a liaison and um, May is completely doubting her loyalty. They're like, well, she's still a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. And May's like, are you sure she's still a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent? Like, oh, it's just really hard to see May like this with, with Sky. They were like mother-daughter almost. Well, I, like, I think early on in this yeah, season. Yeah, this, this season, that, I, I don't know if I, if I quite saw it like that put, that far, but, but I do know what you mean because this season, just the way they bonded together with their both protectiveness of, of Coulson, like, taking care of him but also like being wary of what's going on and like i feel like it's through their 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 closeness to colson that they really like kicked that bond up a notch because they already had like kind of yeah. mentor you know mentee relationship cementing by the end of the first season and i think like it did just become even more close and more familial and like just in general they're the whole dynamic has become tighter and tighter and and mac and bobby the way they've been pre- presented is that you know before we even knew them they were good good buddies it seemed like so yeah. i don't know it's it is it's really hard to, hard to watch but this whole episode is just like very emotionally draining with with stuff like this i know it really was uh, it's like you don't know how to feel it's so confusing um so sky warns colson against going to afterlife he's like i you know they this is like the exact thing that they don't want. They don't want anyone interfering with their affairs. They just want to be left alone. And Coulson's like, well, you know, you're still a shield agent. Like you can go in and like help us. And she's like, I don't know what I am anymore. So Sky here is like questioning her identity, which to be fair is, you know, that's, that's fair. <laughs> like I probably would be in the same boat, but um, she's like, look, let me go talk to Jaying. Like she'll listen to me. And Coulson's like, how do you know that? And this is when she tells Coulson that Jaying is her mother and that changes a lot of things um so may is standing in the hangar and um she's talking about how she misses her plane and colson's like yeah i do too but a lot of horrible shit happened on that plane if you think about it and which is which is true um and colson tells may about sky's mom and then he tries to apologize and she's like look we don't owe each other anything and she's very cold and closed off and he's like no that's not true like we're friends like and He's like, that's not fair to say that. And May tells Coulson what really happened in Bob Rains, because I guess he didn't know, like you said in a previous episode. I assumed that he did, but she only told Andrew. And she talks about how, like, Andrew was the only person she told because the lines were very clear back then that, like, Andrew was personal and Coulson was work. And now the lines and the boundaries have blurred. And she says, you know, you told me to take you out if I ever thought you were losing control and I should have stopped you. And Coulson's like, I never lost control. And Sky's like, or uh, May is like, Sky is living proof that you did, which is, it's true, but I don't like it all the same. Well, and, and <laughs> I, I actually do question that because I think that that's like, that that is still coming at it from a place of fear because I think that, I mean, the shit where he lost control has nothing to do with Sky being around. It has to do with, you know, the thing that gave her powers. Sure. Uh, and yeah. that, that, I think that's what, I think that's what she's talking yeah, about. But, I don't think she, I, I feel a little <laughs> bit of that 
that sentiment that we were getting from Gemma earlier, you know, where she was kind of being anti-inhuman, like which with the way she's reacting in general and, and, yeah. and siding with Gonzalez right that and like right there. And like the question of is Sky even a shield agent, stuff like that. Like it feels like she's not necessarily dehumanizing her, but she's starting to see her as a problem. Like, like she's jumping to a conclusion instead of seeing that, that yeah. he's gotten close to her and saying it that way. Like she's like acting like Sky Sky messing up or being bad or something is a foregone conclusion, which That's I don't true. know. I, like I do see what you're saying, but like she's not she's not wrong. <laughs> but but I also feel like it's more complex than that. Which is sort I of why she's, she's simplifying like, it down. <laughs> like he has, he can't really defend himself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think too, there's an element of her being bitter that Coulson kept a lot of secrets from her too. Like she's, I don't think she's over that still because obviously like she felt that the boundaries were blurred, but Coulson didn't. Like he still compartmentalized things from her. And I think you're, she didn't I think feel you're that absolutely way. Absolutely right. Although I think to be fair, she still hadn't told him that yet. You know, it's like. That's it, true. It, it's like everybody <laughs> makes their choice. <laughs> everybody has their yeah, secrets. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think that that's absolutely where it's coming from. It's like, who knows? Like that was the, that was her biggest, darkest secret. That's something she's never going to be over. Like it's messed up. She killed yeah. a kid and she feels justified. She is justified. I think in, in the form of the story, but that doesn't make it easy. Yeah, absolutely. Oh God. So complicated. I just don't like it when mom and dad fight. <laughs> No, that's exactly where, where 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 this is for sure. Um, so Coulson is sending off Sky and Lincoln back to afterlife, and there's kind of this really sweet moment between Sky and Coulson. But you can tell that May's words have resonated with Coulson because he's trying to hold her at arm's length while still like wanting to give show her affection and it's but just like the look on the the acting from Clark Gregg is really great in this scene. Like he just the look on his face is like. I want to know you're okay and I want you to be protected and I want you to know that I care about you. But at the same time, I know I shouldn't say that. So I'm just going to stand off to the side here. And it's like, Oh, everyone, everyone's questioning their, their identity and their motives sucks. Um, so we go back to afterlife and Raina runs up to Gordon and she's had a vision of shield destroying afterlife. And Gordon's like, we have to go tell Jai Ying right away. And she's like, no, it's because Jai Ying talks to shield is that that's why afterlife is destroyed. And Gordon's like, well, who should, who should we send to talk to them then? And she's like, well, what about me? And, <laughs> and, and before this, there was a moment, a brief moment between Cal, Cal and Jai Ying where he basically, oh, yeah is like Reyna cannot be trusted. She's like, like the second she gets a, a hint of power, she jumps on it like a, what, what, you know, like, you know, like a starving person jumps on like food and that like she gets instantly yeah. becomes dissatisfied with anything she has. Once she has something and needs the next step up, 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 she needs like an upgrade or whatever. And just think she's, yeah. it's impossible for her to not be, to not still be power hungry, which I mean, definitely beat for beat in the story. It was like he set this up and then her saying this to Gordon. Like as a viewer, I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> like, like crazy dude is right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I know. So her true purpose is being revealed here that she wants to be in charge. And I don't know if that was her true purpose from the beginning or like that's what she really wanted. Because I feel like we've gotten a hint of this in the past. Like she's kind of questioned Jaying a little bit. Um but I feel like this episode, it's like really coming to be obvious. Like, this is what she wants. She feels like she should be in charge. <laughs> um, 
So Sky and Lincoln return in this moment, and um, Sky tries to v- convince Strang to talk to Coulson, and she's like, "Look, he's the closest thing that I had to family. Like, he's a good man. Like, he'll listen. Like, he doesn't want to hurt you guys." Um, and and they decide that this is going to happen. So um, back at the playground, Gonzalez doesn't think Coulson should be the one to talk to Jaying. And Coulson's like, well, I'm kind of banking on that personal relationship with Sky as being a way to connect, which makes sense to me. But everyone in the room agrees that he's just too close to this, including May. And Coulson's like, well, okay, he defers to the council because he's this is the agreement that they had. And so Gonzalez is going to go To be fair, instead. I feel like that's like better than Nick Fury ever would have done. Like Nick, I feel like the best case scenario with Nick Fury is he would have said, yeah, absolutely. And then just turned around and just gone on his own, <laughs> like right then. <laughs> and like, yeah. Like left him in the dust. <laughs> I agree. I think I mean, it just shows that Coulson is a very different director than Fury. Um, I still, but also if you think about it, what happens to Gonzalez later in this episode, like if Coulson would have gone, that would have been him. Well, and so, we'll talk about it when we get, uh, we'll talk about it when we get to that point. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah yeah okay um so fitz is talking to Gemma about how she wanted to kill ward and he's like you know it's fine like i tried to and, it, and we failed and that makes us better and she's like look um i regret that i didn't kill him i tried um but the next bad thing he does is on me and so this i don't know Gemma just like she has no remorse for her feelings about this and it's crazy like how far she's come. She's, she's like but, singular oh. punisher. Like 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 she's not revenge obsessed yeah. like, to the extreme, but she is just like it's like her own little mini kill bill arc or whatever where she's just like no no no, I've yeah. got to destroy him. <laughs> like, she's like I'm good. I don't feel bad. Like this is what I want. Like <laughs> Yeah, she's like, no, it's fine. I'm going to destroy him. I'm going to go. We'll have tea after that. <laughs> we have all these plans. Like, yeah, oh, it's fine. Yeah. Um. And then the next scene is Mac telling Coulson that he's quitting Shield, which is a really sad scene because Mac's like, I love and respect, or I like and respect you as a person, but you got that alien shit, and I just can't have that. As long as you're director, I cannot serve in Shield. Well, and his line about his own experience being possessed by stuff connected to the thing that gave him his powers like i I feel like that's or give him his not powers but his obsession and whatnot i feel like that that it makes sense right like Mm -hmm. when he started talking i hadn't i didn't remember the details of the scene really well from my first viewing it was just like oh no and then when he got to that point i was like okay like you of course i knew it was gonna make sense because mac is mac and he doesn't do shit like that for petty reasons or for wrong reasons i don't think like he's a he tries his best, you know, and, and everything. And I think this is like, this is a legitimate excuse for not trusting him. He's gone through it too. He probably has some level of PTSD from having like his brain hijacked and, and, and like attacking his friends. Like, yeah, I, I can't imagine it. Be, it's easy for him to, to, to be at the point that he has been throughout the series. Cause like, this is, it's not that, that like he, like you said, he's not that he hates him or disrespects him or anything. It's just that he can't really feel like he knows his mind is his own. He, he doesn't quite trust him. And that's, that's fair. Yeah. And I mean, this has been an issue for Mac for a long time for like many episodes now where he's been like Colson. He doesn't trust that Colson is his own person. And it was always coming to this point. So it's just sucks because we finally get here and it's like, Oh, you kind of hoped that he would change his mind, but he obviously hasn't. And they, they leave amicably like Colson's like, we're really sorry to see you go. Um, and it, I don't know. It's a sweet moment, but it's also really painful because ugh, Mac. I just want Mac around for everything. Um, no, he, and he's he's just he's so good. <laughs> you just 
I know. And it, like his reasons for leaving are good too. And it's like, oh, I can't argue with that. <laughs> like, yeah, even, even when you don't like what he's doing and you wish he would do the other thing, you still are like, no, he's right. <laughs> he's making the right choice. I know. I know. Um, so we go back to afterlife and there's this really, really touching scene between Jaying and Cal and, you know, Jaying is like, what do I do? Like my people would never blindly follow me into the, into a war. And Cal says, I would. And Jaying's like, you haven't diminished at all with age. Like you're, you are the same intense, like amazing person that I fell in love with. And she's kind of sad. And she's like, I'm the one that's changed. Um, and Cal's like, well, give me to shield. Like they love to lock somebody up. <laughs> and he's like, let me protect my family like I couldn't before. And it's just these characters are so complex. Like they have so many layers. And Cal really, God, this scene just like killed me because I know what's coming. Well, and they're, <sighs> they are complex characters. Like they're not simple. The trauma they've been through, it's not an excuse for anything. But like at the same time. <laughs> it's unmanaged it's it's unimaginable like like it's 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 so messed up like it like it's all the stuff that people really have to go through but then they survive you know she survived it and 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 all the stuff he's gone through as well it's just like it's not quite the same trauma but it is still like shit that will make you go crazy <laughs> I, I, I don't know yeah Ugh, it's so and then it's like finally they have the ability or they have a moment where they could like mm -hmm. rebuild their family. And it seems like there's like that hope there in this scene, like they could be a family again, like they could reconcile, but I don't know, maybe too much has happened. I think too much has happened. <laughs> I think, I think like we know that, that sky is willing to give them both a chance. Like she, like she wants to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's been her whole life is searching for them and trying to, to get them back together. And here they are. And it's maybe not how she, intended but <laughs> i don't know it's hard um so bobby and may are on the quinjet chatting away um talking about you know have you ever thought about leaving shield and may is like yeah you know i've been giving that a lot of thought lately and you know she tells her how hunter asked her to leave and she said no but she's like no you know maybe maybe he's right um and then we go to Hunter Fitz and Colson in Colson's office and everyone's just a little too comfortable. Like Fitz is putting his feet up on the desk, like Hunter's like leaning back and, you know, they're chatting about the situation and how it doesn't seem that great. And Colson's like, no, no, have faith. Like it's not us versus them. Like we're a team. This is, we're in one shield. And then Colson looks at them and realizes they are like way too comfortable <laughs> with him. And he's like, I think we've been spending a little too much time together. <laughs> oh, and I just love the three of them. So together so much they're so funny um so we go to this next scene and may is on this other quinjet with gonzalez so she's on two quinjets oh shit uh so apparently the may that's with bobby is not actually may it's kara with the face on and kara's mad at bobby she's like look you were like asking me questions to see if i remembered um and they fight and bobby knocks kara out but they land in this field somewhere and bobby walks outside and ward shows up and shoots her and ices her and she goes unconscious so this was a plan all along so frustrating Ugh. especially because Ward had this whole speech like was it last episode or the episode before where he I think it was the episode before about going about giving her a chance to get closure and all this junk. Yeah, and you think that he's being a good guy, but he's just a piece of shit always. I hate him. <laughs> yep. Nope. At best he's 
he's convinced himself he's a good guy in <sighs> some moments. But even most of the time, I think he knows he's a piece of shit. Yep, he's a piece <laughs> of shit. Um, so here, Raina, back at Afterlife, is thinking that Gordon would take her side. Gordon walks in. She's like, here, oh, did you tell, like, did you not tell her? We got to, you know, we got to move forward with this plan. And then, uh-oh, he brings Jaying behind him. <laughs> and Raina's in trouble. Jaying's like, look, we, you know, we're hospitable to you. And you betrayed that. And uh, we're going to have a big, long conversation about that in a minute. Um, but Gonzalez shows up and he meets with Jaying and Sky is there with them and so is Cal and um, Jaying is like look we're going to give Cal to you um, as you know a sign of good faith that we want to do the right thing and so she sends Sky away to take Cal to S.H.I.E.L.D. and oh, Cal it has, it has a moment where she where Jaying is like explaining that even though you know she doesn't want to do this it is a sign of good faith and you know and says that I, I'm, I've been told or I've I, I'm under the impression he's, you know, maybe killed some of your men. And he's like, oh, no, no. He's like, I don't think I killed any S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. I don't think so. Yeah. (laughs) But they were all people who deserved it. (laughs) Like, he's so crazy. But that moment where he's like, corrects her and then then kind of steps back. He's like, no, I didn't kill any of their men. Well, maybe. He had to think about it. It was just like, oh my God, this guy's so crazy. So crazy. Oh my God. Um, just like gleeful. <laughs> like it's like someone forgetting uh, like a detail, like, like, like a spouse telling a story. It's like, oh no, we weren't there. Oh wait, maybe we were. Maybe we were late that day. <laughs> but yeah. it's about murdering people. Yeah. Oh, I don't think I killed any shield agents. God, he's so crazy. <laughs> Let's not lose our heads. <laughs> oh my god! So right after this, Cal and Sky are outside, and Cal is basically saying goodbye to her, and he's like, "I'm really grateful I got a chance to know you." And Sky says the same, and it's really sweet. Um, I really like this like softening that they have between the two of them because he is still very much a monster, and he's still crazy. But Sky is like his light. You know what I mean? Like Sky is who makes him want to be a better person, and it's great. Well, and in. No matter what, he does love her, and she she recognizes that. Even if she doesn't, you know, at, at times when she totally sees his flaws, and at times maybe when she's giving him more credit than he deserves, she at the same time she respects and and accepts that he loves her, even though you know circumstances kept them apart. And I guess there there are some really sweet things in the middle of a lot of really sad and hard stuff this this episode. So Sky goes to May and asks why Coulson isn't there. She's like, is he okay? Are they, is he locked up? And May's like, no, it's fine. Like Gonzalez is a good man. They just needed someone that was more objective and that's Gonzalez. And um, this guy's like, well, why didn't they send you in there? And she's like, like I said, they needed someone more objective. And she's like, I hope your mother is everything you wanted her to be. And it's, uh, we'll talk about this in the discussion section, but the scene just killed me because it's like their relationship has changed so much. And it's really clear that May regrets that change and is like, I don't know. We'll talk about it in a second because this episode's almost over. Um, so Gonzalez has a gift for Jaying and the way that it's revealed is like Weaver found it for him. It's like this box. We don't know what it is. And then um, he gives it to her and it's kind of like suspicious. Like, well, yeah, yeah. Cause there's a couple of scenes throughout the uh, episode where he's talking to Weaver about acquiring something like, do you have it? Blah, blah, blah. And like, I kept thinking while watching it without a clear recollection of how everything went down. Like, Oh, is this like a weapon? Like, yeah. is this some sort of fail safe? And it does, it, it is, feels really suspicious. Like, especially right as they're leading up to it, it was right before the meeting, he 
asks her again and she has it and it's like the package or whatever yeah yeah um so he gives her this gift and it's something that whitehall took from her it's this little like um this little token that like i guess parents give to their children in china that's supposed to ward off evil spirits and jane's like oh i thought i lost this i'd never you know i never got a chance to give it to sky and so it's a really sweet gift that gonzalez gives her oh it's super oh. thoughtful like it's crazy thoughtful and like meaningful and like we, if there's no way to take it as anything other than just like a, a gesture of kindness and like oh. like willingness to cooperate well like what he says after he gives it isn't the greatest thing <laughs> i i, I yeah. understand he talks about how like you know hydra's taken from both of us like we have this we share the same scars and it's like i don't know about that <laughs> um and so he's, he's he's overestimating his messed up leg or whatever like compared he, to her being literally uh, you know eviscerated and and like experimented on taken apart piece by piece and put back together like it's not yeah. not the same yeah and it's funny because jang seems really touched by this gift that she stands up and she's like i too have a gift for you and she has this little monologue while she's getting this gift out of this box and she's like you know i've seen countless people profiled for their differences and why do people think they have the right to do that um, and she shows him this Terrigen crystal and she says this line, you know, you know, we, she talks about how they only had a few, um, uh, diviners left. And so they, you know, they melted them down and they made these crystals and she's like, discovery requires experimentation. And that's when you know that things are going to go south because <laughs> you know that this darkness in her, uh, that, that Whitehall caused is, is there, <laughs> And she breaks the divine or the Terrigen crystal on the desk and a mist comes out and Gonzalez dies. Well, yeah, and, and she says right before that, she explains how it works and like how it's how it'll kill people who don't have a human lineage. And then yeah. at right as she breaks it, she's like, like, uh, here's hoping you survive it or whatever. Like, and like it's it's, it's extra super villainy, like because it is oh, yeah. like sarcastic, you know? Yeah, and she's like, like, How dare you compare your scars to mine? She's like I was cut into pieces and had my organs put in jars. Like we are not the same. <laughs> no, and I get it, it's so weird because I feel like she's sending. Like I do, I agree that her trauma isn't equivalent. Like she's so much worse. But I do feel like it's so weird the juxtaposition of the two points that she's making because, like, she's mad that they want to they want to catalog all the inhumans they want to mm -hmm. index them and, and that way they can monitor them more easily in case somebody abuses their powers and it's like it's basically having like a watch list for everyone who has inhuman lineage which i totally understand her reaction being like it's messed up it's not cool but it's yeah. basically like don't profile people for their differences and then it's like hey you overestimated our sameness way too much and it's like yeah <laughs> yeah he said that wrong but his point wasn't wrong. He wasn't saying, I'm diminishing what you went through. He's just trying to say, I'm I'm trying to relate to you. You know, yeah. like I don't think his intentions were bad. He 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 did say it wrong. <laughs> he should not have said it that way. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like he also doesn't know all the details, probably. You know, no. like, like and he also doesn't know what they do to, you know, they have like a strict way of letting people through the mists. Like they don't just let everybody through the mists. And so I think I think they could have gone in with a little more information or maybe asked. Absolutely. They were way, <laughs> they were way too ignorant of a situation to go in with the demands they had. Like, I absolutely agree. But at the same time, like, I feel like who knows, like thinking about this stuff in terms of both in fiction and in real life terms, like it feels like a lot of that stuff is just a starting point. You know, yeah. they don't start with what they expect. They, yeah. they, they expect a negotiation. That's what yeah. treaties are. You don't have one party set the, 
set the stuff unless there's a war and it's an acquiescent, you know, a surrender. And it hasn't happened yet. So it, does, it, it doesn't feel like that's what Gonzalez is really asking. But she doesn't even give a chance for to negotiate. She no. goes from zero to, to 11. She murders the dude. Yeah. And like almost yeah. gleefully. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then she takes his gun and shoots herself in the shoulder twice. And she runs out of the little room. <sighs> and she's like, she'll try to kill me. This is war. And she collapses on the ground. Oh, and it's like, fuck. Um, and then the very end scene is Bobby's getting tied up and Kara and Ward are just being gross and, and lovey-dovey. And Kara goes, why can't we kill her now? And Ward gives this thing like, well, closure requires more than that and blah, blah, blah. And oh my God, they're just so crazy and gross. And that's the end of the episode is them being crazy and gross. So yay. <laughs> oh, um, all right. Let's talk about... Um, let's talk about Colson and Gonzalez meeting Jaying first before we talk about Man Sky, because I feel like we just were on the heels of that. I have one other uh discussion point that is sort of related to the Colson versus Gonzalez. There's another comparison, which yeah, is uh just Reina. Yeah. We jump to conclusions as viewers. Like, even in my rewatch, it's like she was not. I think this was the only time she's ever been not selfish and it wasn't a power grab. I think she was on the up and up. I think she yeah. knew what was gonna happen. If if they did this and yeah. she was trying to save the inhuman <laughs> and stop Jai Ying's personal vendetta from doing this. And yeah. it's kind of messed up. Like like she was the she was the girl who cried wolf, you know, or the woman who cried I wolf. Think, I think it could be both, though, because I think like this opportunity gives her the you know, it lets her yes. ambition flourish and her it allows her to become a leader amongst her people. But also at the same time, it is preventing destruction between S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Inhumans. Right. I think she didn't lie. I think she manipulated yeah. like she usually does. She usually doesn't lie. She usually manipulates. And I think you're right. Like, And it's it, it kind of plays into what I was uh, talking about earlier. Just I think that it's it's very much not black and white. Rain yeah. is not, not being a bad guy or a good guy in that moment. Mm-hmm. And the, the thought I had when you specifically when we were going through the episode and you mentioned how Coulson would have had what happened, ha- happened to Gonzalez happened to him. If that had happened though, yeah, it would have bummed this out. would have been depressed viewers, whatever, all these huge, what ifs as shield viewers, but, but just in the terms of the story, there's no way Scott would have believed it. Yeah. That's like true. this. It, her story would have fallen apart and immediately you have someone who can control earthquakes on your side. <laughs> that's true. But before it escalates spoilers for next episode, uh, spoiler section time. <laughs> Yeah, it escalates. <laughs> That's a, not, not, <laughs> not, not anything super specific yet, but yeah. it does escalate. And yeah, like I feel like this had to go down the way it did. Reyna couldn't be the one to go, and it couldn't be Coulson. Like, imagine if it was Reyna and Gonzalez. This would have really gone fine. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it would have gone fine. That's that's weird to think about. But I feel like Raina and Colson, it wouldn't even have worked because he wouldn't have believed her. Like he wouldn't have trusted no, her. No, he wouldn't have. So, so no. I feel like this was a very specific combination, and like one of three works, and they went with one of the they went with the worst one. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, yeah. I, I mean, so. the worst one for loss of life for the for for us uh, for our emotional sanity as fans, probably the best one since Colson didn't die. Yeah. But well, still. I just think too, like. Gonzalez is like redeemed in the eyes of the viewers in this scene because like he is he's trying man he's trying and he's doing something really sweet he's going about it the wrong way but he doesn't know that and it's just like dude he you know he's he doesn't have bad intentions he really does like want things to work out even though he's kind of been anti that for so long but he brings this gesture 
Yeah. He brings this gesture of good faith and it's like really sweet. And <laughs> yeah. And, and I think like this episode, like I really do think like that's the theme is that there is no right or wrong as simple as that, you know, cause yeah. like he's in the right, but he's still like, he's still his end goal is to <laughs> you know, profile it, people. It, it, well, yeah, yeah. It's to catalog all these people like, like because of their potential threat. It's like basically, you, you know, uh, what it, it, it is eugenics and it's one step you know away from yeah but like genocide like potentially yeah. like you get one bad person in power and that's what they, they decide so like it, it, i get totally get why anyone would be against that sort of thing and and he's he's a good guy with a good agenda pushing some misguided stuff because of ignorance and fear and yeah. and like i just think like there's that's the real like um, like real interesting thing about maybe this season and really great part about this episode is it really just hits that home for me is there isn't, there isn't a, a good or bad guy. Cause even, even, you know, Jai Ying taking this like real heel turn, like boom yeah. in the bad guy territory, she's like, you know, Doc Ock or whatever. And in Spider-Man or, or one of the more sympathetic villains or like Killmonger, but like where I feel like I don't, I, I, I I, I don't just think she's evil and I don't just think she's wrong. I think I totally get where she's coming from. I just, it's, it, you know, it, it's, it, it is more complex than just a bad guy, even though she's totally taking the offensive. Yeah. But I think too, Jaying has always made it very clear where her loyalties stand. Like she said in previous episodes, like the outside world is not my responsibility. My people are my responsibility. And so she, this act was to protect her people. So she thought, and so I don't know. Um, more to come on Jaying. We'll talk about it in the yes, spoiler yes. section a little bit. But uh, let's talk about May and Sky real quick, just because their relationship is also taking a weird turn. Where it's, I feel like so after Sky got her powers, like that scene where she's like shaking the base and she shoots herself with an icer to get her to stop, and May is just like, like touching her hair and basically just like you know I don't know there's just this tenderness there that's very motherly and now we get to the point where May kind of it almost seems like she feels replaced by Jai Ying in well, that line of like I hope your mother is everything that you ever hoped her to be and it can, was can, just can we go full into the spoiler section yeah let's do spoiler section time I think that this is like the first hint at May's arc with Robin oh. at her like and it's it, I, what I like about it is that this is not the narrative in every season of American Horror Story for some reason, a horror show that should not be yeah. even involved. But so many pieces of fiction are like, you need a kid to be whole. You know, if you're yeah. a man, you need a son to carry on your legacy. And if you're a woman, you just need to have a baby because our culture is stupid as hell. And, yeah. and, and, and they, but I do feel like it's not that she needs to be a mom, but that she does have these maternal instincts, you know, yeah. and she would be happy mentoring these kids, mentoring Fitz and Simmons and, and, and Sky, but instead, you know, she's had this taken from her and, and, and later on with Robin, it's like, she didn't seek out to adopt the kid in the future. <laughs> you know, it just, it happened yeah. and she stepped <laughs> up, you know, so weird. But, but, you know what I mean? Like, I, I like yeah. it cause it's, it shows that she's got those feelings and not necessarily like, it's not that she was meant to be a mom or any bullshit, reductive, like old fashioned sexist nonsense, but it is just like she's got she happens to have that capability inside of her and when it when you know it's called upon her she 
steps up as a human with empathy. And, and I just like it because it shows like motherhood is an aspect of who she could be potentially and maybe who she is, but it's not, who, it's not who she is. It's not her point. It's not, yeah. it doesn't well, define I think, her. I think that it, like, it doesn't go with that whole, like, you're, you're only complete if you have children because she wanted yeah. children. Like that was like their whole, whole thing is like, she wanted to have a family with Andrew and this traumatic event where she had to kill a child, like took that away from her. It made it impossible for her to, to feel comfortable with that life. In and a- so it's still there. Like that desire is still there, but she's just been pushing it away because of her traumatic situation. And so I feel like this is her finally letting herself feel that way again. And I feel like this is in this situation, like she was letting herself feel that way with Sky and she got burned mm-hmm. because Sky didn't choose her. <laughs> well, and I, I think you're, I think you're right about uh, that across the board. And I think it's also interesting. Like, I don't know, because I just, I love the way it is. Cause it, she never felt incomplete. It wasn't like, no. She's such a multifaceted character and the way they do that when it's a mistake or when it's done poorly and, and it becomes like all the character is about, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, like, I think this is just such a great way to show motherhood, to show growth and relationships and like, I don't know, like, it, it, it I know it, it sort of ties in, I, th- I, I feel like part of wherever discussion is going to go, but I feel like it is all <laughs> like the advantage of, uh, of Mo, uh, being the showrunner and yeah like having a woman who actually has these experiences and like is a mother but that's not all she is like she's also awesome at what she does super successful yeah. and like and you know runs a, a show in hollywood that's the longest running marvel show <laughs> and yeah. a comic book show on like since uh, smallville you know like yeah or i guess no arrow is gonna beat it damn it Damn him. <laughs> Fucking arrow, man. But no, um, I really let's let's talk about well, maybe we can talk about this more next episode when we're wrapping up the season, but I feel like there's gonna be a lot to talk about. So we can intro with this a little bit before we close out. But um I want to talk about the difference between Jaying and May because they're these two women that are very powerful in their own right. Um, they both have I mean, Jaying is Sky's mom. She has this motherly instinct towards her. May, same thing. Like she's like her mentor, but also very tender towards her. And um it's really hard because Jaying ends up being the villain and it's like it's always hard seeing a woman of color being the villain because we see that all the time especially Asian Asian woman like you know dragon lady right like she, like she doesn't fall into those specific tropes no but, but I mean not at all she doesn't in this case it's okay because we see there's more than one Asian female character on the <laughs> yeah, show the fact, <laughs> the fact that there were two main cast members who were going to who are going to be on it for the entire seven season run of the show is pretty significant I think like yeah it's she's not representing a stereotype because there's more than one complex asian female character on the show and so like that's why it's okay in this case that she's able to be this villain and she's able to be juxtaposed against may i think as you know motherhood and protecting her people is like it's it's because may and sky are present on the show and as long-running characters i i think that's that's a huge i i mean you said you know of course (laughs) you're gonna say this better than me because you know it better than me but it's just like even i can pick up on that you know (laughs) yeah so i think like it's it is it's significant and there's something i wanted to bring up that i think sort of directly relates to jayeng but before we wrap up and and her Mm -hmm. turn to bad guy i i feel like this is what they thought they were doing with Daenerys in the last season of Game of yeah. Thrones. 
Yeah, like, I right? agree. Like they just did this well. <laughs> yeah. like they, they made us believe and understand why she made this choice because it's the exact same choice. It's just it's from the same place. It's just overkill. It's just I'm going to yeah. take one step too far and kill a bunch of innocent people because I can't let anything happen to mine. Yeah. yeah. And like it, it, it is a noble goal. It's just it's so myopic. It's so singular vision. And it's because Ying was literally cut into pieces and put back together. And Danny saw everyone she cared about murdered in front of her. Yeah. But the difference is that Danny is this white woman who has used people of color as to prop her up. Right. To, yeah. <laughs> no, because the way they've done the story, because, the, because yeah. and, and I think you have to look at the fact that this story was told by a diverse group of writers in a writer's room that is 50% women and the showrunner is a woman <laughs> and yeah. a woman of color and versus a series where the last two seasons, none of them were written by men, by women. They were yep. all written by men. And I think that's very significant. It makes a difference, man. Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> Who thought representation, you know, behind the camera is super important to authentic. You mean representation yeah. matters? <laughs> is that what you mean? <laughs> it's so, it's so crazy to think. Also, just my slight aside, I brought up many times on the show, all of our listeners will be, are very familiar with uh, my frustration at uh, DC leading the way and beating Marvel and also Star Wars in terms of uh, representation in a lot of fronts. <clears throat> at this point, DuckTales, <laughs> DuckTales has a main uh, superhero. This main superhero of the show is Gizmo Duck, and he is voiced by Lin Manuel Miranda. His character is Fenton Crackshell Cabrera. Uh, his mother is a Spanish speaking uh, Mexican American police officer. <laughs> he is, <laughs> uh, and, and and he is a Latino. Uh, duck superhero and he is not a, a stereotype he's not a joke he's their iron man or spider-man or a combination of the two basically and in addition to that uh, <laughs> they have uh a, at this point uh launchpad mcquack which you guys might remember from the original series yeah. if anyone ever saw it uh is canonically bisexual <laughs> he has dated oh men and God. women so DuckTales is better than Marvel at this point in terms of representation because they have a, a Latina superhero or Latino superhero and an LGBTQIA character in their main cast. So fuck you, Marvel. <laughs> Why are you yeah. fucking up so badly? <laughs> Although, again, guess what? Two thirds of the, of the three guys running the show at DuckTales are, uh, are Latino. You know, that's a Mexican-American, yeah. a Cuban-American man. And like, I've heard them talk specifically about it. like I did this so my daughters will see women and Latinos like who are representing like actual people and not jokes and stereotypes. Yeah. And that's so cool to see it people cool. actually doing that. And so, yeah, in conclusion, be more like DuckTales. <laughs> yeah. God, that's ridiculous. It really is. It, it's like, it's stupid. <laughs> it shouldn't be. Well, I mean, it is stupid, but at the same time, I'm so glad that like kids like six and up when they watch the Disney Channel have shows where all the shows have background characters, like stupid sitcoms. Like they have characters where the you know a parent teacher night or whatever they have same sex couples. It's like they might not be main characters yet on all their stuff, but they are trying to normalize it, and I have to appreciate that, especially like yeah. reading today, where some school I think it was in I think the teacher couldn't have been. Uh, could have been surprised. I think it was in, in the South specifically, but a second grade teacher used a, a totally appropriate school book, uh, a children's book called Harvey Milk and the Rainbow Flag about why 
uh, why gay slurs are bad. Basically, it was a response where one of the students called another kid gay as a pejorative, and she explained this is why this isn't okay. Nothing about sex at all, of course, because yeah. it's a children's book, and yeah. yet some parents freak the fuck out because they're bigots. And oh like the response God. was basically like, like the response was so well measured. Like I forget who I think it was from the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund because it's, it's a picture book, so it counts. But they basically just like their measured response uh, representing the teacher was just like the only excuse for this is prejudice. Like there's yeah. nothing inappropriate. There's nothing it's, it's to the child's point. Like it fits in with their curriculum about teaching, like to not segregate, not, uh, you know, you know, show prejudice <laughs> and bias. It's like, like this is literally their teaching points for second grade that it covers directly. And yet like the only excuse is if you, if, if you hate it and like the reason why parents objected to it was religious reasons. And it's like your religion does not dictate what other people are allowed to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, that's they, like, the fact that you feel that way is freedom of religion. Erasing yeah. this from the curriculum is not, like, it's not respecting your religion. It's disrespecting yeah. everyone else's. And, uh, but, but yeah. Uh, I, so I feel like we need kids to see it maybe more than we, uh, plenty of adults still need it. We all need it. <laughs> we need more, <laughs> we need more normalization and everything. For a second, I was going to say maybe it's better for them to, for the kids' shows to be ahead of us, but they all need, we, we just, everything needs to be more reflective of reality, I think. Like, mm-hmm. I agree. Cause it'll be a lot it, better. I agree. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't really have anything else to add to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. On that note, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, people can find me at, I think I'm still going to be ice. No, nothing. Although after that Game of Thrones <laughs> ending, I've seriously, like, it, it's so, it's it's a complete weird t- twist of fate that what was my previous uh, handle of I'm thinking about reverting back to it, happen, it happens to be because Game of Thrones is so awful, but my original handle was Joaquin Slowly, which is a reference to the original DuckTales Duck series. <laughs> There's a conquistador, a dog named Joaquin Slowly, whose father was named Marcin Slowly. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so uh, you, can, yeah, you can find me talking about uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. and uh, I, I guess not really actively bagging on, maybe occasionally subtweeting stupid Game of Thrones stuff for a couple weeks more, probably not much longer when this airs, and uh, talking a lot about DuckTales. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you find you? You can find me at Space Jess with four S's in the Jess. You can find the podcast at Project Tahiti on Twitter. You can send us an email at projecttahitipod at gmail.com. You can listen to us on iTunes and Google Play. And also, if you are a browser-based listener, you can find us on butwhythopodcast.com. Thank you all so much for listening to Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. Catch you later. Bye.